Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to episode 145 of Martha Runs the World. It's Haunted Running Trails. Yes, it's my annual show. You listeners who have tuned into the show for a few years know what this is about. For those listening for the first time, I do a special Halloween episode every year focusing on supposed haunted trails. I tell a little of the history, a little backstory, some of the some of the lore. In past years, I picked three trails in different parts of the U.S., but this year I thought I'd focus on one area, all on its own because it's pretty scary and has a lot of stories and supernatural or just plain hair-raising things that have happened either in the park or the surrounding area. This is Yosemite. I'm only focusing on the supernatural and some of the weird stories from um, the indigenous people who were in there, who have been in the area or live in the area. Just a brief note. This is a running podcast and haunted running trails is a fun episode. I do every year. There were a couple terrible crimes that happened in the Yosemite area a few decades ago. But I chose not to include them because it would take away the fun of the episode. I struggled with this. I said, should I include them? Should I not include them? I'm not even going to say the name of the perpetrator. But you can, if you Google the crimes, Yosemite, you can figure it out. I decided not to include them. And I stick to my decision because I think it's the right one. I'm not interested in doing a true crime podcast nor chase away listeners because this isn't what they want to hear from a running podcast. So that's why I didn't put them in there. With that said, let's talk about Yosemite. Yosemite has many legends, tales, and history. So there's plenty to choose from. We're going to have a fun, scary, creepy time. Yosemite is a national park located in California in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. It's about four hours drive from San Francisco and a little longer from Los Angeles. It's a beautiful drive too, going through first the San Joaquin Valley, then the foothills, then winding ever upwards into the mountains. It's really gorgeous. And it's just, it's just a, a really, really fun, fun journey. Established in 1864, Yosemite has nearly 1,200 square miles filled with deep valleys, sweeping green meadows, great giant sequoias, vast wilderness, towering rocks, and mountainous peaks, and hundreds of miles of trails. 
I think anyone who loves our wilderness areas should visit Yosemite at least once. The best times to go are fall, winter, and spring. If you like massive crowds, then summer is your season. I avoid them as much as I can, and Yosemite gets overrun with tourists in the summer. If, if you just can't stand crowds, do not go in the summer. But any of the other three seasons is much better, and it can be much nicer and quieter. Four million people visit Yosemite every year, so choosing a good time to go is important. You can camp in the park itself, but you'll have to plan way ahead, like months ahead. Or you can try to reserve a park hotel room. They're very expensive, extremely expensive. There are a couple hotels to choose from within the park. Or you can stay just outside the park in one of the nice hotel rooms. Or you can get a great campsite just outside the park. Then you have to drive in, but it might be worth it if you can't get something inside. There are many primitive free camping sites if you know where to look. and You do a little research ahead of time. The first people in Yosemite were the Southern Sierra Miwok. There is a reconstructed Miwok village in Yosemite Valley if you're interested in learning more on your next visit. Translated, Miwok means people. There were many different Miwok tribes in the mountains around the Yosemite area. In fact, the Miwok people populated much of Northern California. As far as we know, people have been living in the Yosemite Valley for at least 8,000 years, although little is known about the first people living there. These people living in the valley called it Oawani, meaning gaping, mouth-like place. The people there called themselves the Awanichi. They hunted and gathered. They ground small seeds on small flat stones and hunted using spears and atlatls. Atlatls is, I think, the way it's pronounced. The Awanichi lived in the valley for 4,000 years. Now, Yosemite is populated with central and southern Miwok groups. The, southern, the California gold rush changed everything in the Sierra Nevada mountains. In 1849, thousands of miners from across the globe came into the area with a lust for gold in their eyes. They killed many Miwoks, while others were starved or died from disease. Yosemite Valley was first entered by the Mariposa Battalion in 1851, a state-sponsored militia. They tried to remove the Miwoks in two attempts, but were unsuccessful. Of course, others moved into the area, and the number of Miwoks dwindled. There are descendants of the original Miwoks still living in the area. Canadian Galen Clark wrote and published about the Mariposa Grove. He was also the first to count and measure the giant trees there. Clark built a log cabin near a river for travelers to rest during their visit to, to the yet established park. There he met John Muir, who I'll talk about shortly, as well as poet Ralph Waldo Emerson. Clark is also thought of as the park's first ranger. I couldn't very well talk about Yosemite without mentioning John Muir. Without John Muir, there would be no Yosemite. He is that important to the founding of the park. His writings and his vision has inspired millions to visit and have their own journeys there. Yosemite is a place of rest, a refuge from the roar and dust and weary, nervous, wasting work of the lowlands in which one gains 
The Advantages of Both Solitude and Society, Muir wrote. John Muir was born in Scotland in 1838. His family immigrated to Wisconsin, but the homestead life was not for him. He worked briefly in a factory, but after being nearly blinded, he decided that he wanted to learn all he could about the world, so he set out to learn what he called the University of Wilderness. Muir's first visit to Yosemite was in 1868, and he was so impressed he came back the following year. He then got to work as a shepherd so he could be in Tuolumne Meadows. He studied the, fl- he studied the flora and fauna, sketching the plants and learning their names. Muir went on to travel to many other places, but Yosemite was always his favorite. Because this area had been home to a few different groups of people, there are stories that have been passed down through the years. So these are some of the legends and some of the tales. One of the stories comes from the the Chill Nualna Falls Trail. This strenuous and sometimes crowded hike leads to three cascades. The first is Chill Nualna Creek, and it's only a half mile. A lot of the traffic will stop there, so the views are really beautiful, but it's nice once you get to that creek and then you keep going on because most of the most of the valley crowds, they don't like to go that far, so they'll stop there so you can move on. The total trail is about 19 miles long, so 19 miles round trips, an overall 7,000 feet elevation. So it's a pretty strenuous hike, so I don't know if you want to do the whole thing, but if you do, it's worthwhile. There's a darker side to this trail. According to ancient legend, it passes by Grouse Lake a little later in the hike. And it's here where it said one can hear the cries of a boy drowning in the lake. And if anyone jumps in to save him, they will suffer the same fate. We'll be right back. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Another legend from this trail is at the top of the trail, where there are fewer people, is that an evil spirit will push anyone off the cliff if they stand too close to the edge. Well, not to pour water on the fire, but the edges are very smooth granite. and One could easily slip and slide off if they get too close. So stick to the trail. It's a very safe trail if you don't go snooping over the edge of that slippery granite. And that's the thing with Yosemite. As we'll learn in other stories is that this is not Disneyland. It's a national park. It's wilderness. So you have to be careful in these places and you have to use your head. Galen Clark heard the crying sounds from Grouse Lake one time he was hiking through. He thought it was a small puppy, but he couldn't find any. He went on about his hike. And when he got to a Miwok village, he asked them about the cries. He learned from them that legend has it that the boy was carried off in the current and drowned before anyone noticed. 
the Native Americans told Clark that the boy's spirit cries out when he hears someone coming up to help him. If the person goes into the water help, the boy grabs their legs and pulls them under the water. That's a pretty good legend. So I don't know if any of you have been near Grouse Lake and heard cries. Have you? Let me know if you've heard his cries. Yosemite Falls. Yosemite Falls, the Awanichi tribe, believe that the vengeful spirit, Pohono, guards the valley at all the falls. The evil spirit entices people to the edge of the waterfall, and they fall over if not careful. Many hikers have fallen over the edge of this falls, but it's slick granite. So remember, slick granite, evil spirit, Pohono, not a good combination. Be careful. Tanaya Canyon. Tanaya Canyon is known as the Bermuda Triangle of Yosemite. Tanaya Canyon runs from Tioga Pass, and Tioga Pass is a very high-altitude pass up near Highway 395, which is a beautiful highway that runs on the east side of the Sierra Nevadas, on Route 120, and 120 runs is the highway that runs through Yosemite to 395, down, and then it runs, Tioga Pass runs from there down to Mirror Lake, which is in Yosemite Valley. This is true wilderness. There are no trails in this area. It's not a place to hike. No trails, you shouldn't hike. This is not like a place to, to pretend that you're a survivor man, okay? No, not the place. <laughs> it's not a place for tourists to go. Nonetheless... They still go there because they think Yosemite is one big Disneyland and underestimate how dangerous it will be. They take the water levels for granted. You see, what happens in the mountain areas is that even in summer, even when it doesn't rain in San Francisco or Los Angeles, it they may get a thunder shower, snow shower, not snow, a thunder shower, rain in the summer, and the water levels change. So the slippery granite gets wet and the water levels are higher and, and they don't realize how steep the cliffs are. Everything works against them and they don't understand this so they don't figure this out first. So there's no trails and they don't understand that they may be on the precipice of this thousand foot cliff and, and the, the, the le- water level is two feet higher than they realized they're in deep doo-doo. Oh, and wait, there are no trails. So what happens if they if they um, hack their way through a bush and then all of a sudden on the other side of that rock is a thousand-foot cliff? Cliff. Oops. <laughs> they're not prepared for the weather if it turns into darkness and it's super cold and they have to find their way home in the dark. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. Even in the summer. Even in the summer, it can be cold at night. It could be snow in June or September. They're not prepared for that. And every year, hikers disappear in this area, never to be seen again or to be seen washed down river a few thousand feet below. And I hate to sound like cruel, but yeah. Is that Pohono? 
busy again, right? <laughs> it also has some notoriety because Chief Tanaya, one of the Miwok chiefs, put a curse on the area in the 1850s because his son was killed by an army battalion. So there is a curse on the area besides. So yes, so some unsuspecting tourist thinks it's a cool place to go to go bushwhacking and there's a curse on the area. Maybe not such a good idea, right? <laughs> okay. Bridalville Falls. Bridalville Falls is one of the most prominent waterfalls in Yosemite. If you visit Yosemite, you'll probably want to hike to see it. The waterfall is 188 meters or about 616 feet in height and flows year-round. Even in the summer when there's not that much water, it, that one will still have water. Pohono's busy guarding the valley, and those leaving the valley must not look directly onto the waterfall as they leave, lest they be cursed. Remember that. As you leave Yosemite, you cannot look on Bridalvale Falls, or you will be cursed. That's the legend. Pohono sure is busy in that valley, isn't he? They also believe that inhaling the mist of the falls would improve one's chances of marriage. The distance to the falls is only half a mile, and the eleva elevation gain is only 80 feet, so it's pretty easy to get up to. It's also the first waterfall you will see when you enter the valley. So looking at it as you enter is okay, I I'm imagining. It's just looking at it as you leave is not okay. In spring, it thunders. During the rest of the year, it just is nice and beautiful and, and relaxing. A paved trail leads to the parking area to the base. Although paved, the, the, the trail is not wheelchair access. Uh, let's see. You can expect to get wet. In some cases, the spray is so strong that you have to be very careful. You have to stay on the side of the rails because it can sweep you away. The maps says stay safe. The rocks and boulders above the viewing platform are slippery even when dry. So stay on the paved trail because some people have been swept away. This is another way that people die at Yosemite. They don't stay on the side of the on the trails and they don't and even if there are railing, they don't stay on the railing. They they jump over the railing to get pictures or look at me, you know, I'm cool, you know, and then all of a sudden there's a wind and the falls goes the wrong direction and oops there, they're swept up. And they're gone down the falls. <laughs> Oop, bye. <laughs> That's it. They're done. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. Where people get in trouble is, is just that. They slip on that slick granite. I'm telling you, if, you, if you've been up there, you know that that granite is super slick. And once it's wet, you, you know, or... or if there's any ice at all, forget about it. You're done. The Iwani Hotel. A lot of visitors stay at campsites, but many others aren't really into the outdoors. They want to see the beauty, but they also want luxury. They're looking for something really nice, and they choose the park's famous Iwani, not knowing that it is a paranormal hotspot. Now, I guess they changed the name. It's called the Majestic now, which is kind of sad. But I will always refer to it as the Iwani because that's how it is. You can change the name, but I'm still going to call it the old name. 
It's a short distance from Half Dome, and you can really see Half Dome from the Iwani. It's, Half Dome is one of the greatest granite rocks in the park. The Iwani was opened in 1927 to reflect the local heritage of the area. The building's stunning design and interior decor feel elegant, rustic, and pay homage to the Native Americans of the area. There's an old-world feel to the hotel. It's just amazing. The, the, the windows, huge windows, the woodwork, the opulence is just stunning. It, you, even if you're not staying there, if you visit the park, you have to walk through. You don't have to buy anything. Maybe get a cup of coffee and sit in one of those really big lounge chairs or cushy couches and just sit and just look at everything. It's, it's incredible. It really is nice. It's, it's worth it. It's really worth the visit. Picture a hundred years of guests traveling from far away to visit the park, staying here to see the same sights as you. Yet they may have come from a different era, different backgrounds, and arrived in completely different ways. Maybe they took the train up from San Francisco and then the stage the rest of the way. Maybe it took them a few days because they took their old cars up and they had to change a tire or two on the way. It happens. But people come there from all over the world and various ways and journeys just to just to discover this magnificent place. If you walk around inside the hotel, you don't feel a sense of paranormal. The hotel looks perfect against the Yosemite's rocks and green pines. Maybe this made it too nice for former operator Mary Curry Tresider to leave, even in death. Tresider or Tresider, Tresider was extremely important in the development of the park. Curry Village is named for her and her family. Her parents moved her here and opened a store. In 1970, Mary passed away in her apartment on the hotel's sixth floor. Allegedly, her spirit still hangs out in her room, and the floor's hallways where her apparition is commonly cited by staff and guests. Mary's haunting is a friendly one. It seems she continues to look after her guests, even from the other side. Reports of her tucking people into bed or having clothes folded up on their own are not uncommon. Another, more peculiar, more peculiar haunting is believed to be linked to JFK's John F. Kennedy's stay on the third floor in 1962. He made a special request to have a rocking chair placed in his room to assist easing his back pain. The president had horrific back pain and slept sitting up much of the time. The rocking chair was removed after the former president's stay. However, it has since made a reappearance following Kennedy's death. Staff and guests have made reports that a rocking chair moving by itself has been sighted in rooms on the third floor. Despite the chair's removal, it continues to rock. A visitor stay at this hotel may leave horror fans feeling as though they're in a familiar setting. The Iwani was a major influence on the interior set creation of Stanley Kubrick's horror masterpiece, The Shining. The film, based on a Stephen King book, portrays the Overlook Hotel as, a, as an extremely haunted location in the mountains that shares links to Native American heritage. The Iwani's lobby, Great Lounge, 
and particularly its double red door elevators portray stark similarities to those portrayed in The Shining. Every year, a large number of people disappear from national parks. Now, it shouldn't be surprising because way more people disappear, I mean exponentially so, from cities. But people don't seem to pay attention to that. So somehow, people get freaked out when they hear about people disappearing from national parks. I guess it's because many people are still under the mistaken belief that national parks are just like Disneyland. As I've said, if you want Disneyland, go there. This is a wild area, and no one is going to look out for you. You have to look out for you. That's how we like it. It's a beautiful area. You have to know your own safety. You have to look out for you and your family. It's not an amusement park. It just isn't. Sometimes things do happen to experienced outdoors people, but most of the time it's because someone didn't plan properly. Remember that show, I Shouldn't Be Alive? I couldn't watch it because most of the people on that show were so thoughtless and stupid it made me mad. I turned it off midway between each program. It's the same reason I won't go to Yosemite in the summer. I don't want to be surrounded by people who think the park is one big amusement park. In 1998, a ranger... Now, this is now this is kind of a weird story, okay? This is a really, really weird story, and um, it's probably left over... I would, I'm going to give you what I think it is, but other people have some bizarre things. This is... What happens when you put out a story without an answer? You get all kinds of strange answers. In 1998, a ranger in the backcountry division was out patrolling and discovered not one but three freshly severed deer heads meticulously placed on a half mile apart on the trail. What were they doing there? I think it's the work of poachers who just wanted to have fun and just kind of say, nanner, 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 we got away with it and just wanted to create some kind of stir and just do it. So they they placed the head specifically on the trail a half mile apart. No one was ever caught and there were never any reasons for it. But boy, if you see some of the answers by people, it, it, it's really weird and they have some creative answers. But I think this, that's what it was. There... Have been a, there have been a couple really hilarious stories about quote-unquote paranormal activity. Okay, one of them is, all right, what, this, is the, this is probably the funniest, the night crawlers. Night crawlers have been around a long time and in many places. Come on, people. I saw the video of the night crawlers in Yosemite, and... Can you not see that it's just bed sheets with a bunch of fishing line moving them forward? Come on. Who doesn't think it's just people using fishing line and fishing pole and moving a bunch of stuff along? It's so stupid. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a video. I'm going to put the link to the video on the website so that you can look at it yourself. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You actually think like this is like a, an extraterrestrial you're whacked. Really, you are whacked. <laughs> and then and then um, 
Then, then of course, there is the never-ending story about Bigfoot. All right. I suppose if you're out in the woods and do enough dr- drugs, you will talk to Bigfoot, okay? You might murder people, too. But that is another story, another story all on its own. All right. Now, people do go missing from parks, especially children. It is a dangerous place. This isn't funny. It's a dangerous place. You have to look out for your family. You have to look out for yourself and your kids. You have to take care of things. The rangers aren't there to take care of you. The park employees are not there to take care of you. You have to take care of you. The granite is slick, as I've said, and the water in the rivers runs fast and deep. They're not going to change it and make it a nice little safe little park just for you and your family. They're, the rocks, especially in Yosemite, they're over a 1,000 feet tall, tall some, in some places, and in many places kids can get lost. This has nothing to do with portals or creatures from the other side or weird little elf creatures who take children or take people, put them through time portals. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. I love the theories that, why did he disappear? He w- There are time portals. No, there aren't. There aren't. No, 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 no. Just stop it. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. That's enough of that. Respect nature. Teach your kids from a young age to look and listen and be aware and respect nature. And they will appreciate it more. And you won't have any problems. All right? Or you will have fewer problems. I won't say any problems. You will have fewer problems. Okay? That is this week's Tales of the Trail. And everything will be on the website at MarthaRunsTheWorld.com. Oh, and I have a special a special episode at the Patreon page. We're going to have, I'm going to have a special uh, episode of Haunted Running Trails about a really particular creepy tale on the Black Diamond Mine trails in Contra Costa County about a, a couple particular creepy tales. So if you become a Patreon patron today, you can too hear that episode as well. So that is MarthaRunsTheWorld.com for all your needs and to become a Patreon patron. And if you want to email me, my email is MarthaRunsTheWorld at gmail.com. And until next week, let's tie up your shoelaces and go for a run. <laughs>